the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, radio family. This is Dr. Derek Greer. Due to the COVID crisis, our already crazy schedules have shot through the roof. But in particular, please pray for pastors and church staffs as we navigate through this incredibly difficult season. You know, our government has pledged to graciously support many businesses in this crisis, but churches are, are largely on our own. And if we don't support God's voice in our communities, no one else will. So don't forget your local church. Lastly, I want to remind you that God has not given us a spirit of fear. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He loves you, and my Bible says he will keep you as the apple of his eye. There's nothing ahead of you that's bigger than the God that lives on the inside of you. In times like these, it's really vital that we keep our hearts full of God's Word. So if you want to hear faith-filled messages or get a copy of me reading through all the healing scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, go to gracechurchva.org for free downloads. I love you, and our only goal is to help keep you strong. God bless you. We are excited to announce the Live Big television broadcast is back on BET on Sundays at 7 a.m. There are a few other changes, so visit DerekGreer.com to view the full broadcast schedule and much more. You were made to think big, too big, big. But tomorrow can be bigger. Just grow, let the world Live a life bigger than yourself. You're created for greatness. Live a life bigger than yourself. Hello, welcome to Live Big with Dr. Derek Greer. We are so glad that you joined us today. We believe that the truth of God's word will empower you to live a life so big that it impacts everyone and everything around you. As always, you can get this message and more at gracechurchva.org. Let's join Dr. Greer for today's Live Big message. Hallelujah. All the praise, all the honor. Today we're, we're going to look at a subject that a healthy congregation has to dig into at least once or twice a year. When I was a kid, I didn't like spinach or broccoli much, lima beans in particular. And um, when I was at the table... You know, mom and dad would be there, everybody would be talking, and I'd grab my napkin and pretend I was wiping my face, <laughs> put it in my pocket, and this is that type of Sunday. It's a broccoli and spinach and Brussels sprout Sunday. But when I was a kid, even though I might have put it in my napkin, I still smiled at my mom and dad every now and then, just kind of played it off. So even though some thoughts might be running through your mind as I share today, just play it off and smile at me every now and then. And I'll never know that it was, the message was specifically for you. I'm going to pray, and we're going to open our Bibles to Mark chapter 12 and verse 41. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, if I had to choose a message to preach, this would not be it. But Lord, uh, 
We are here to learn everything about you. So, Father, guide us in this time of study. Cause us to know you better. Cause our understanding of you to be enlarged. And we will leave here giving you all the honor and all the glory. And the church says, amen. Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 12, Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Now Jesus sat. The master had had a very long morning. He's fielding many hostile questions from the intelligentsia of Israel. And in chapter 12 and verse 13, we're going to go back a little bit so you can get some context. We could go back to why Jesus was sitting at this particular place. The Pharisees tried to trap him, asking him, you know, Jesus, should we pay taxes to Caesar? This was a no-win question. And in verse 16 and 17, Jesus responded with a wisdom from beyond this world. He said, whose face is on that coin? Everyone said, well, Caesar's faith, Jesus. Then Jesus said, then render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, and render unto God that which is God's. By the way, the application here is that we're made in the image and likeness of God. Give Caesar his due, but give God his due. In verse 12 and 18, another group came, first the Pharisees, but now the Sadducees. And the Sadducees was a group that did not believe in the resurrection. They did not believe in the supernatural. They didn't believe in angels, none of that stuff. So they got together in a committee, and they were going to outsmart the master. They were going to catch him and embarrass him and show him that uh, he wasn't as smart as, as the leadership in Israel. So they came in with a question. They said, hey, there were seven brothers who married a woman, and you know in the law that if a uh, husband died, the woman would then marry the brother. And that's why everybody got involved in the selection of spouses, because the brother would have to marry if, you know, it didn't work out well with you. So uh, here, there were seven brothers, so she went through seven men. She was a killer. No, just, just that's not in the book. I mean... <laughs> And they died one after <laughs> the other. Each had no children. And here's this question. All of them got together to figure it out. We're going to trap the master here. Who would be her husband in the resurrection? Jesus responded. He said, hey, guys, uh, you need to know the scriptures or the power of God. He basically called them ignorant. He said, listen, guys. We will not marry after the resurrection or be given in marriage. Instead, we will be like the angels. And may the married people say, thank God it's almost over. <laughs> Don't say that. You weren't supposed to say that. But marriage is just for this life. And honey, if I could do it again, I'd do it again. That, that and in verse 12 and 28, and a Pharisee came to him, a Sadducee came to him, now a scribe. A scribe asked him, he said, you know, Jesus, you're supposed to be the Messiah and all that. Well, you've studied the law of Moses. Well, tell me what is the greatest commandment of everything that, that's written. And Jesus responded, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. 
all morning, Jesus fielded questions like a, a superhero. This brings us to Matthew 12 and 41, where we started this morning. It might have been halfway through the day. I don't know what time it was. Maybe it was around 2 o'clock. Maybe it was around 11, 12 o'clock. But it had already been a long morning. Jesus took a moment to rest. The Bible said, now Jesus sat. But I want you to notice where he took his break. Jesus sat opposite the treasury. He went to the place of giving. God somehow wanted to refresh Jesus by watching people give. If God watched your giving today, would it refresh him or depress him? Don't look, just look straight ahead. Could your worship through giving encourage a physically weary Lord? And he saw how the people put money into the treasury. This may surprise you, but God watches our contributions as closely as anything else he watches in our lives. He is either Lord of all, or he is not Lord at all. And many who were rich put in much. The silver and, and, and gold would rattle loudly in the metal trumpet-shaped boxes that were used to receive the, the offering. And eyebrows would go up because they hear the cling and the clang and, and, and wow, you know, look, this person's given this much, this person's given, listen to all that, wow, they're really worshiping God. But then one poor widow came. And she just threw in two mites, barely enough to survive on just for a, a single day. And these two mites made just, you know, two quadrants. This is language that's foreign to us, but it was just a very, very little bit of money. When she put it in, it barely made a rattle. But it registered in heaven like a slot machine that just struck the jackpot. You see, in the natural, it didn't make any noise. But in the spirit, bells rang, lights flashed, and angels sang. But only Jesus heard. What is the sound you made this morning in your giving? Keep smiling as you use the little napkin and just hang with me this morning. So he called his disciples to himself and he said to them, you marvel at the big worshipers, but you're missing the greatest worshiper. He said, guys, assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. You see, it was not the amount that God looked at. It was the proportion and the heart that God For they all put in out of their abundance. You see, 1% of a million dollars is $10,000. And to many pastors and to, to many people, that is an impressive offering. But to the one who observes the heart, maybe not. Jesus said, for they put in out of their abundance, but she out of her 
The others gave out of whatever they had left. She gave out of her need, which placed her in a different and separate category. And then he adds another piece, just in case we, we, we misconstrued. He said, this lady put in all she had. Her worship cost her something. It wasn't just lip service. She realized that after she gave, she might go hungry for the rest of the day. But when she gave, she was placing her full reliance on God that I would have to supply all her needs, a God that would have to see to her. But she was unwilling to, to, to reserve her worship. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. I've had only maybe about five or six times in my life where God has asked me to empty all my pockets in my, my bank account. It's not something that's happened frequently. When you look at the scripture, you know, there was a rich young ruler that God says, sell everything, you know, come follow me. But that didn't happen often. He didn't require that of the disciples. Yes, they left all, but they didn't have to sell all. Typically, that, that's not God's pattern. He, he very seldom requires that much. And typically, when he, when he requires that, it's really to free you up. Because if you're holding on to stuff too tight, like God says, let go of the stuff. Let me show you how I can handle it and take care of it. So he's really trying to free you up. But we see here the fact that, you know, if, if I was God, I would probably do a test every day. I want you to give everything. I want you to prove that, that you know, I sent my son. I, I, paid, I give you the sun, the moon, the star. No, no, you know what? Give me everything one more time. I'm not convinced. But God very seldomly, he's very gentle. He very seldomly asks for all, at least materially. He does want all our hearts. All he asks is to be first. And somehow putting him first in his mind is tantamount to giving him all. It's amazing the mercy and grace of our God. 1 Corinthians 16 and 2. He says, on the first, not the second, not the third, not after you figure things out, but on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something. Imagine if everybody did something. Let each one of you lay something aside. I want you to notice here that Jesus didn't hype people into giving. Jesus was not into an emotional approach to giving. He wanted his people to have a systematic approach to worshiping him fiscally. He wanted consistency and faithfulness more than the scream and the shout. And then he says, storing up as he may prosper. I think the NIV will serve us better here. Let's, let's go there. 1 Corinthians 6 and 2. Are you still with me? The NIV says, on the first day of every week, each one should set aside a sum. Uh-oh, I'm about to say the word. That's a word you're not supposed to say in church. I'm about to say it. Each one of you should set aside your tongues, sing a song of worship, have a Bible study. At some point, what we believe has to become practical. Each one of you should set aside a sum of money 
What's amazing about God is this part, in keeping or in proportion with your income. Since Abraham, and even as far back as the Garden of Eden, the pattern of Scripture is that God wanted his people to worship him with a dime for every dollar. God is amazing in that he doesn't ask for all. He just asks for first. In my pocket, I have 10 dimes. Well, God says, son, I want you to just give me one first. I'm going to give you all the rest. Derek, I am God, and I've always been. And as the first being, the only thing that honors me is your first. So, Derek, I don't want it all. Just give me one. You keep the nine. He said, Derek, I have caused every tree that grows, all the barley and wheat in the field. And as God, I could ask for everything. But Derek, all I'm asking is if you would just break off a piece for me first, you can have all the rest. Every apple tree is mine. If you would just put me first, not asking for all of it, but if you just honor me like I'm God, you can have all the rest. Derek, in your wildest imaginations, could you ever come up with something like the pear? Derek, it's going to grow on, on trees, and it's going to be available to you. It's going to give you vitamins and nutrition. Here's the deal. I'm not asking for all of it. If you just give me the first, it sanctifies the rest. See, if I was God, I'd probably go about it differently. But you see the grace and generosity of the heavenly Father. 2 Corinthians 9 and 10. Let's get back into the word. Now may he who supplies. The Greek here for the word supply is actually a combination of two words. The first word is epi, which means above or besides. And the second is choragio, where we get the term chorus or choreograph. What is choreography? It's a sequence of steps that engage our time and our talent. Now, may he who supplies, the God who choreographs his timing with our talents to impact our circumstances in lives, will supply seed. According to Scripture, God choreographs seed into each of our lives. But notice who he choreographs it for and to. Seed to the who? Sower. 
So if you're not a sower, you will not experience the divine dance. You might hear testimony from others who have, have God has blessed them and demolished, but, but you may not experience because he gives seed to who? The sower. He arranges certain situations and circumstances for those who are in a special category, those who sow, those who say, God, first. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower, the answer to every need in life is in the seed. You see, you, you can count the number of seeds in an orange. Can you pass me that orange? But if I open this, this orange, I could count the number of seeds in there. But if I took a seed, I could never count the number of oranges in the seed. Just one seed can try to create a tree that produces hundreds, maybe thousands of oranges in its lifetime that creates more oranges in its lifetime. Often, and I'm getting ahead of myself, the way God answers prayer is in seed form. Catch me. The world needed redemption. What did God do? Behold, unto us a child was given. He sent a baby boy. And it took 30 years for that child to grow up, for the harvest to come. 33 plus, actually, years. So the answer was in the earth for a long time before the world saw its redemption. And in my life, often, God gives it to me in seed form, and I miss it. I'm saying, Lord, why didn't you answer my prayer? Say, Son, I, I, I give you the acorn tree with an acorn. And I'm looking at the acorn and saying, well, where's the tree? I asked for a tree. He said, no, no, the answer's in the seed. The answer to all of our issues and problems in life come in seed form. He said, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and what? Bread for food. All the resources God gives us, according to Scripture, exist in only two categories. God gives us seed to sow into our spiritual future, but he also gives us bread for right now. Matthew 6 and 19. Jesus reveals his 401k plan for the kingdom, if you will. He said, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth. Keep smiling as you take your napkins. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. You see, what's most precious in life can't perish, can't be stolen. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Here's something I know. I'm going to be in heaven far longer than I'll ever be on earth. If I have to struggle two weeks on earth to give God what's due him, the smartest, you know, when you weigh it, I mean, two weeks on earth, 2,000 years of reward in heaven, 2 million years of reward in heaven, 2 trillion years of reward in heaven, what is two weeks? What's amazing about eternity, we can only seed it in this life. We can only invest in it before we get there. 
He said, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and what? Steal. How many of you invested in the stock market? I know I am. Yeah, most of us here. The stock market is quite uncertain, but we still invest. But God has never had a Black Monday. God has never crashed anything that he steered. And still, some of us aren't sure. I'm preaching good. Thank you for standing. Thank you very much. See, what God has for us, no demon, no person, no angel can steal. This has been Live Big with Dr. Derek Greer, the radio broadcast ministry of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. It is our sincere prayer that you are blessed and empowered to live big. Listen to this message and much more from Dr. Greer for free at gracechurchva.org. We invite you to join Dr. Greer and the Grace Church family here in Dumfries, Virginia, not far from Quantico Marine Base. We would love to meet you and have you join us for worship, teaching, and fellowship every Sunday and Wednesday. Get directions, service times, and much more at gracechurchva.org. That's our time for today. Join us weekdays at this time for the teaching ministry of Dr. Derek Greer. And remember, until next time, live big. There's a lot going on surrounding the coronavirus, and and while we should be cautious and use wisdom, we must fight against living in fear. In times of crisis, you know, stress can wreak havoc in our minds and bodies if we let it. Don't get me wrong, fear is a natural emotion, but through God's word, we have power to overcome it. 1 Peter 5 and 7 teaches us to give all our worries and cares to him because he cares for us. 2 Timothy 1 and 7 reminds us that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Sometimes there's nothing you can do to control your situation, but in times like this, we look to what God has put in us to overcome what's around us. And I want to encourage you to build your faith and find peace in God's Word. Go to gracechurchva.org to listen to my latest series titled, No Fear. Also, get a copy of me reading all of the healing scriptures in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation as a free download. I love you, I'm praying for you, and we will get through this together.